0: This morning, uh, to my right, to your left, we've got four of our friends here: we've got Andy, Adam, Brad, and Royce. Who, if you've been part of this church for a while, you would have probably seen some, if not all of them, around. They're from Restored Uptown and Restored LA, and they've been really good friends of our church for the last five and a half years or so. And it's kind of funny this morning we're celebrating that friendship a little bit more and really talking about our partnership going forward. And I did just want to say to you guys and friends and the churches you represent and your families and everything, thank you for coming and serving us. So I think you guys have loved us and encouraged us and strengthened us and built us up and hang out with us and been in life groups and done so much over the years. And we love you guys. We really, really do. I know it's like a far flight to be here just for two days, but it means so much that you guys would come and spend time with us today. Um, And I think one of the things that you might have noticed is over the years, it's really felt like these restored people have become more like family than just these visitors that pop in. Um, and I know probably camp was a really significant catalyst uh, for all of us for that. But I know some of you are still WhatsApping them, some of you every day, which seems a little bit creepy and weird to me, but really cool at like another side of it. So it is amazing how it feels like God has connected us with people on the other side of the world in a really deep, maybe supernatural way. Not to throw that around loosely. But uh, one of the things we spoke about is this friendship, this kind of family vibe, this partnership we've had going with these guys for so long. It's been really special. But well, we actually wanted to formalize that and make it official. Now we spoke about camp being like this blind date kind of time, getting some of the people from the restored churches together with you guys, seeing what happens over a non candlelit table. We worship together, minister together. And I was really amazed at what it seemed like God was doing at that camp. If you guys weren't there, I'm really sorry that you missed it. But they brought out 35 people to join us at our camp and it really was a special combination. Also, just like a little early bird notice, 24 to 26 July 2020, we're doing another camp. You can block it out in your calendars now. Thank you, Tari. We'll take that. It really, really was a special time, and I'm sure next year will be really incredible. But I think like we we really do want to celebrate what God seekers to have done with this partnership between these guys and us, and kind of what that could look like going forward. And in the past, that has been a really informal thing. Uh, we haven't wanted to put a label on it, but now today, we're wanting to. Make it official. So really, this is um, a gospel partnership, working together to see the gospel preached, the kingdom of God advanced, disciples made, and yeah, people know Jesus more and more. So what we're going to do is this morning, we're going to have a few of their guys come up and share some of what that's all about, the why behind all of this, and some of the Harbor City people see why we're excited about that. So, Andy, could I ask you to come up first and join me up here? That's a very good Harbor City welcome. I just wanted to say about him before he shares this morning, uh, Andy is one of my favorite people in the world, big, big claim, but it's true. Uh, he's hilarious, if you haven't noticed that before, he's got a really good sense of humor. He also is a genius. If you don't know this about Andy, he has got a photographic memory, and it annoys me, because if he reads a book, he'll remember every single thing that he's picked up, and he's, I'm not exaggerating, it's a really crazy quality, but on top of that, he really loves people well, he, he really And I think it's helped me in many ways. I think it's helped our church with kind of a big picture, um, kingdom advancing gospel, apostolic kind of thing. So appreciate you a lot. Thank you for having me today. Looking forward to what we got to share.
1: Um, Yeah, thanks for having us here today. Uh, I'll just open up and pray. I do feel like this like such a cool thing. And I feel so privileged. I honestly feel so privileged every time we get to be here with you and um, connect with you. So. Um, father, thank you that you are all of our Father. We all have the same Dad. We're in the room. And we put our faith in Jesus. And that means we're actually brothers and sisters in the gospel. And I thank you for that. And I thank you today, God, that we get to experience a deeper uh, relationship with one another, and deeper mission together in the future. That you empower me to be free me, you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to start off our time today by just reading a passage of scripture uh, to you. And then I want to dive in. Um, In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, if we have a slide, uh, Solomon writes this, he says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either fails, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without anyone to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm, but how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Uh, recently, I, in my own personal life, experienced something really painful. Um, something that uh, I would have thought would have broken me emotionally. Uh, in the past, if someone were to have asked me, like, hey, if this thing's going to happen in your life and in your personal life, um, do you think you'd be okay? Like, I probably wouldn't be okay. Um, but, but, when the pressure and the pain of that situation happens, um, I reached out to people immediately, uh, and I'm so glad that I did, I, I talked to my wife Jackie, obviously, um, uh, but right after that, I called Brad Sarian, who's sitting right here in this row, uh, one of the first calls I made, I said, hey man, this has happened in my life, um, I thought would pop some of your perspective, um, I texted Royce and Adam, we're also sitting here, that guy's the others to me, and, um. And I just felt so aware of the truth that a cord of multiple strands cannot be broken. Um, Something that I thought would have broken me didn't because of the friends I had who stepped in. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this before. Where you, you felt like you needed someone and then they showed up. And it's like everything changed. Like nothing changed circumstantially. But everything changed in your heart. And uh, the situation's still intense, but it doesn't crush you. And it kind of reminds me like when you're helping a friend move. Uh, you're the kind of person who helps people move. Uh, <laughs> I know it's not all of us, but um, <laughs> I have kind of a move where I show up late and leave early. It's, it's a great move, so I'm not, I'm not the, the best at that. Um, but uh, uh, it's amazing how a, a pizza furniture can be so heavy, like a heavy. Your friend is this insane dresser that weighs like nine thousand, you know, km, kilograms. <laughs> I don't know the metric system. And it's as if the, the four or five sets of hands makes what, what weighs exactly the same feel so different than one set of hands. And here's the thing. What I want to say today is what is true of people, um, that, that people need to be connected to others, I think is true for churches as well. I believe churches are called to connect to other churches. So Grant has asked me to speak about this idea of a family of churches. What does it look like to partner together in the gospel, the thing that we want to do together? And so today I want to answer three questions as quickly as I can. Okay, and they're actually my outline. Um, I have three things I want to talk about today. Uh, number one, why a family of churches? Number two, what do we receive from a family of churches? What do we all receive? And three, what do we give to a family of churches? What do we all give? And so why a family of churches? Again, as you read the New Testament, one of the things that you see is that there's no such thing as a solo Christian. There's never a scenario of someone kind of just me and Jesus doing our own thing. Um, again, it says they together were told to go and make disciples. They together waited in the upper room for the Holy Spirit. They together devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They together shared their resources so there was not a needy person among them. They ate meals together with glad and sincere hearts, and together they saw men and women being saved daily. And so I think a lot of us today would go, yeah, like I think it's amazing, I think that's dope, I think that's so cool. Um, that I, I think it's so important that believers need to be part of something bigger than themselves. They need to be a part of a church. But I, what I think is a much less common conviction among believers is that churches need to be a part of something bigger than themselves as well. And I'll say this. As much as the New Testament acts and the epistles do not ever give us a picture of a solo Christian, they also don't ever give us a picture of a solo church. That's uninterested in what's happening in the other churches that are advancing the gospel in other parts of the world other nations where Jesus is being, being proclaimed. It was a local and a translocal reality to the New Testament churches. Um, leadership teams and churches weren't silent. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a church. I was a part of a really big church, and this has nothing to do with size, but I was a part of a church that had this ethos that was like, we're going to reach the city for Jesus. Three million people with 200 volunteers. And it's like, no, 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 we, we need to partner with other churches. What you guys are doing with like the city serve and the city stories. That's what we need to do. And Paul would have known all about this. Not just churches in the same city, but churches all over the world. And so an example of this would be at the beginning and at the end of Paul's letters. And I want to look at the end of one of Paul's letters uh, to kind of see this idea. Um, in Romans chapter 16, verses 1 to 16, it says this. Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church in centre. So you should welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever matter she may require your help. For indeed, she's been a benefactor of many and of me also. She's given to my ministry. She has supported my ministry. She's a partner in ministry. And she, she, she's a woman and she is not um, a formal pastor. But what her role in the family churches was significant. And a time and place where women weren't valued the way that they ought to be. And so I, and then on top of that, in so many churches, we think, if I'm not a leader, I don't matter in the same way that, that he's, no, 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 no. Um, you know, if I'm not a, a formal leader, like, like I'm on a church staff or a pastor. Because he her ministry is so important, receive She actually delivered the book of Romans. She was the, probably the first person to ever read it out loud. It says, uh, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus who risked their own necks for my life. Not only do I thank them, but so do all the Gentile churches. Now, Priscilla and Aquila were in Rome, but Paul knew them. And he goes, they were so helpful to me. So, so, uh, so I want to say, I'm sending you Phoebe, say what's up to her, but also, Priscilla and Aquila are already with you. So Paul is somewhere, and they are somewhere, and then there's someone else coming. Um, greet also the church that meets in their home. So Priscilla and Aquila um, were a little bit wealthier, we know, and they had such a large house that they could host a church in their house. Then have church buildings back in the day; they had houses. And, um, and, and what I love is that Paul goes, "Hey, I care about that church too, not just the leaders, not just the the um, the, the life group hosts or leaders or the elders, or whatever." He's like, "Hey, the whole church, say what's up from Paul." To greet my dear friend Aphanetus, who's the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who had worked very hard for you. Read Androgynous and Junia, my fellow Jews and fellow prisoners. They are noteworthy in the eyes of the apostles. They were also in Christ, um, before me. And he keeps going, um, Amplitus, Urbanus, Herodian in verse 11, um, Rufus, chosen of the Lord, also his mother and mine. Um, and, and then he kind of jump down to verse, um, 19, and he says, uh, now he's saying, hey, he's going to describe where he is. And he says, the report of your obedience has reached everyone. So what's going on in the Roman church is being reported to other people. Therefore, I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and yet innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my coworker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow countrymen, greet you. I uh, I tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord, Paul had a, it's called an amanuensis. they would transcribe, you would kind of dictate, and they would write. Um Gaius, who is host to me, and to the whole church, greets you. Horatius, the city treasurer, and our brother, Cordus, greet you. So, there were people that, um were with the Roman church that Paul knew, and there were people with, uh, that were with Paul that the Roman church knew, and then there were people that Paul was saying, hey, they know about you even if you don't know them. Does that make sense? So there's all these different relationships um, in Paul's sphere of influence. Um, I I remember uh, recently going to Restored LA Brad's Church. And normally I visit um, the different Restored Churches at different times. And I came across, I met this gal. um, And she seemed really kind. She seemed really thankful to me. And I didn't really understand why, because I didn't know her. She was like, thanks so much. And what you do is so important. And I later found out that she was a newer follower of Jesus, who had recently been saved out of a Muslim family great cost, really count the cost, about what it meant to follow Jesus. And it was this privilege to meet this new sister that I didn't even know was my sister at first, and who came into the family of God through this family that came out of our family. There was this, this family connection that I didn't even know about. It reminded me of a time uh, I had um, my dad's sister, my aunt, she passed away and had a funeral. And my dad has 10 brothers and sisters. He's one of 11 kids. And most of them live on the east coast of America, so I went to the east coast for the funeral, and I met so many cousins I never knew I had. Some I was like, I'm glad I haven't known you're my cousin. But some I was like, you're pretty amazing. Like, I'd love to I'd love to hang out. Like, if you ever want to come to Calais, like, I'm into it. I'm excited. But either way, my family was so much bigger than I knew, and family of churches are like this. So that's why we believe in a family of churches. We see this in the life of the Apostle Paul, and we see this all throughout the New Testament. There's this group of scattered churches and believers who are interconnected. They're interdependent. They they're, they, partner, they have deep relationships within one another. And they participate in a big mission together. They have an intimacy with one another and an adventure that they're embarking on together. So that's why I think the family of churches are so important. Um, but what do we do to receive... Uh, what do we receive from a family of churches? Because how does this work practically? Um, and a couple of things. The, the first thing I want to talk about is this idea. We all need this. Receive clarity. So I think I have three... Uh, Right, three points. What do, what do we receive from a family of churches? Clarity, equipping, and support. Um Clarity. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this idea—the idea of blind spots. There are things about you that other people know that you don't know, or things about you that you forgot. I got up one Sunday to preach, and uh, everyone—my uh, wife was just looking at me. I thought she was angry with me. I was so confused. She's like, "Babe, your flies down. Uh, you know you're about to preach, but everyone's going to—everyone sees this. It's going to call call a spade a spade." remember I had a friend come by and visit me at my house and, um, he goes, Hey man, how long have you had that car? And I was like, What car? And I forgot, I had a car that was broken down in my driveway for two years. i just gotten used to it. We didn't have a very big driveway. It was a small type in the city neighborhood. And I just forgot it was there. It's like the cracked tile in your house. You just, you don't see it. Um, pretty much every New Testament church, and churches are no different. We have habits and weaknesses and things we think are normal that other people would not think are normal. Like if some people, it's good to think about. Man, if if someone walked into our church, who wasn't a part of this church, how would they feel? And uh, and stuff. And so, pretty much every New Testament church, Paul writes to. He has things he affirms them for, and things he rebukes them for. In the letter to the Philippians, he he goes, "Hey, you guys got to do conflict better. Help these these two women do conflict." But then he goes, "Hey, praise God for your generosity. Those are amazing." Um, the other thing, it's so we need that. We need people to come in. Um, when Grant comes into my church, she's so helpful. Brad has mentioned the same thing when, when Grant comes in. And, and, and they've said uh, humbly that when you know when we come into Harbor City, that we're helpful about the things that we see as we do with leaders and talk. Um, the other thing we receive is equipping. Um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, I think I have a slide. It says, and he gave the apostles, this is talking about Jesus, he gave the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, different leadership gifts from Jesus to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but but when, in churches that are very autonomous and they're very siloed, again, they don't get that perspective, and they only have one or two leadership giftings in their church, probably whatever the lead pastor is, and the most The elder that preaches most frequently, besides him, you get their gifts, and a lot of times the pastor usually picks an elder who has a gift like his, and then you just end up with the same gifts twice. But but Paul lists five gifts, and I don't know if you've ever seen um, church, so you end up with one or two giftings, and you end up with churches that are good at only one or two things. Um, I know you. uh, I don't know. I'll just go for it. Um, uh, It's an American sports reference, but there's a game of baseball. You probably have heard of it. It's a better version of cricket. Um, and, um, yeah. And, uh, and they talk about, there's this idea that there's, uh, this idea of the five tool player, a player that can run, they can hit, they can feel, they can catch, they can throw, they can feel, they, they can do everything well, essentially. They're rare that they can do all of it. Some guys win golden gloves, defensive awards, some guys win, you know, batting awards. And, uh, and a lot of times people are good at one thing or the other, but, but, but Paul's vision is that the church would be a five tool church. An apostolic church, an evangelistic church, a pastoral church, a teaching church, a prophetic church. And so he gives these different gifts so that you're not just... Because a lot of churches are really good at theology, and you would never know that they... They're not that good at theology because you would never know they believed in the Holy Spirit, by the way, that they do church. Like the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, and then he just had to go. You go in other churches, and they're really good at knowing how to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, but maybe they're not because you, who knows, because you don't know what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Or some churches are really good at evangelism and and people get saved, and then it's kind of like a really bad kind of infant hospital. It's like, we don't know what to do with these babies. We don't disciple people. And people stay immature. It's dirty nappies everywhere. It's, It's a rough scene. Spiritual nappies. And they never learn how to take care of themselves. And so You want to be a church where there's the apostolic that reminds them that the church is part of a bigger story. Um, The prophetic, reminding people to walk faithfully in their relationship to God. The evangelistic, who stokes our hearts to remember the lost in our lives. I was to me about a a woman I met, um, an Uber driver. She was driving me, and she ended up, I got to share the gospel and forgot to pray for her. And it was because I had been influenced recently by an evangelist who just said, don't force conversations on people, just listen and engage with who's around you what God does and it was amazing it was amazing so I think she's going to be at church today for the first time in San Diego which was amazing About 12 hours of time shepherding that, that teaches people to love one another and care for one another and nurture one another and then teaching teaching people the scriptures and theology so we, we shouldn't have to pick are we going to be a bible church or a holy spirit church Paul's like yeah are we going to be good at evangelism or are we going to be good at discipleship He's like yeah these are weird choices Holy Spirit wrote the Bible and He empowers people. These, these are weird choices. And so we, we have a group of people that we think, men and women, who we believe are gifted in these ways and, and, and are really mature in their gifting with people like um, Brad Sarian, who I think is an amazing teacher. Our family of churches, three of our family of churches, churches are going through a Bible reading challenge right now and we're doing a sermon series on biblical theology of scripture, like 17 weeks or so. And Brad's really worked hard at helping put that together, taking the, the, the initiative on getting that started for us. Tom Logue, has been here, he's done. He's he's a very prophetic leader, and he has done um, prophecy trainings in this church that I think are very helpful to this church, from what I understand. He's done them at at L.A. Um, I think I'm generally kind of helpful with uh, leadership stuff, um, leadership development, thinking about stuff like that. Um, Grant is good at pretty much everything, and he's even better when he visits our churches, because with a South African accent, it's like, just, you sound spiritual to us, because our only... our only context for South Africans is church. So they're like, oh, man of God. <laughs> if you say, uh, Evo, I don't even know, Avo. Avo. If you say Avo, it's like man of God. It's like, it's like Avo. It's like, oh, pagan, pagan. Ashley Stroman, who's been out here before. She's done a women's ministry event here before. Um, she's a licensed psychologist. She is gospel-centered. She's met Jesus in our church and she has an amazing shepherding gift. And next year, she's going to be starting a cohort, training people to do pastoral care in our churches, to help care for the deeper wounds and deeper sin issues and addictions and things like that, helping people prepare to, to provide really good care in our churches that points people to Jesus that is competent and knows where to refer out, all that stuff, what really a shepherding gift. Kimmy and Brendan, I just keep thinking for both of them, the idea of, of structures and scriptures, that Kimmy is such a ferocious student. Scripture, Brendan is too, but it is a heart to see. He, he, he he's a leader. He thinks organization. He thinks about the big picture and a plan and what needs to happen. And all the ways that we can bless each other's churches. Um, and, and we can go on and on and on. And there's a lot more gifts than that in this room. I'm just going off of who I, I deal with normally. You know, when I'm here for two days, I don't know, the longer trips. But there are so many gifts out here. Um, Crystal and Marika are in the back, and they're not you know formal elders or anything like that. But they hosted us, and then they hosted Royce's wife, Allison. When we walked away, we were equipped in hospitality. They know how to party for Jesus. They know how to welcome people in like we were literally their family, because we literally are through Jesus. It's like the best uncle I've ever had. It's Christo. That's an equipping thing, guys. Don't miss that. That's not just a moment. You learn from those experiences. Um, the other thing we receive is not just equipping, we receive supports. I already mentioned the Ecclesiastes idea. Um, when one falls down, and we help another one get up. That people, but also churches, at times will face very tough seasons. We see in the book of Acts, they had Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter helping with church leadership. They were writing Bible, and their churches all had problems, and they needed um, help at times. We know that, that the apostle Paul had a season in the book of Galatians, um, or sorry, the apostle Peter in the book of Galatians, Paul writes that he had to confront him in his face because he, he started walking away from the gospel publicly and he, he dabbled in racism and started diving into his Jewish identity and obeying the laws being the key to a life of God and actually his faith in Jesus. So even personally we have crises in even even the, even the apostle Peter, restored by Jesus, preaches at Pentecost, Wants people at the cafeteria to like him. Middle school boy. Um, uh so we need we need help, we need support. Um, uh I don't know if you guys have seen the movie The Darkest Hour, it's about Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill's a complex guy, there's a lot of bad things about him, some good things about him, probably the best thing he did was, you know, stand up to, to the Nazis and stuff. Um, but in the darkest hour there's this heartbreaking scene where England's pretty much like, we're going to be invaded by the Nazis. We even, you know, Parliament wants to make a deal with the Nazis. And he's one of the only guys saying, we can't make a deal. We have to protect ourselves. But they don't have enough soldiers. They don't have enough um, equipment. And there's this scene where he calls FDR, the United States President at the time. And he says, FDR, can you send us some planes? And can you send us some ships? They said, actually, Congress just signed a treaty. We can't give you anything. And he said, well, we're like, I he, think he says, we're in dire straits here, Mr. President. Like, I don't know if England's going to make it. And, um. And FDR goes, sorry, this is not all we can do. If, if you can, if someone can come on foot with ropes and pull a, a bomber across the Canadian border, maybe there's like a loophole. And he just goes, okay, man, it's fine. Just say no, <laughs> you
2: know. And he hangs up. There's this sense of
1: dread that he needs support and he doesn't have it. And they're in a tough space. And I think oftentimes church planners and leaders and people are in these faces. There's also times where it's not a church-wide crisis, but it's a person in a church. We had um, a couple in our church in Uptown who experienced a literally insane mental health crisis and for three months it felt like hell on earth in our church but all of our other churches were praying and investing and helping we had multiple houses at multiple churches spread out by a few hours to host the wife that was that was involved per rent free you know. And so we can go on and on and on, but there's these different uh, spaces of receiving supports. Um, Josh Lewis, who's a church planner in Denver, he's actually not even in our family of churches, but he found out recently that um, he was going to be about 2,000 um, in the red uh, each month. He lost some outside support, which is common for church plants to live off of outside support early on until you build a base of internal giving. And so as a family of churches, we just said, all right, well, let's help. Like, Let's try to raise 24K, and it'll be a year's worth of his gap. And we we raised money. And he hadn't even been to two of the churches. And we raised um, not 24000 but $60,000 on a Sunday across a bunch of scattered millennial churches who are doing their best to meet and meet. Um, the other thing we receive is not just support, we receive brothers and sisters. In Ephesians um, chapter 6, verses 23 through 24, the Apostle Paul writes, Peace be to the brothers, or brothers and sisters, through the CSB. Uh, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. We love the incorruptible, corruptible oftentimes throughout the New Testament. We're referred to as brothers and sisters. Not fellow Christians. Not disciples in another place. Brothers and sisters. Brothers from another mother because we got the same father. You know what I'm saying? Maybe some of you guys experienced this at Skogheim. Or Skogheim. I don't know how to say it with that, a family of churches kind of after their retreat thing, uh, or sorry, church camp that we had, we had, you know, 35 people coming from SoCal, and we were saying, until you hear the accents, if you didn't know the two people, you would assume they were from the same churches, just the gelling happening. I've experienced this in my own life, um, just in the last year and a half with Brendan and Kimmy, I do Brandon Shaw really well, and they we come out to America every year, and Brendan, Kimmy and Brendan have committed to come, and they never do, um, but, uh, <laughs> no, no, they have integrity, they don't, they don't I think I kind of... I'm hoping for it to happen, and I kind of read into stuff they say. It's never been like, we're there, and they bail. Um, except for Kimmy, maybe twice we've her. But, um, <laughs> talk a big game. stuff. It tough. Um, but on a serious note, um, they don't come out, but <laughs> that's not the point. I really do feel like I have a brother and a sister. I was sharing with them about that hard thing that came up recently, That was really, really hard, really painful. And I just could talk, talk to them, and they really listened, and they really cared. They looked me in the eyes and said really important things to and so there's this intimacy that's being built that's just so quick. But we receive brothers and sisters in the gospel. But not just in our local church, but but abroad. Um, what do we give uh, in a family of churches? So what do we give? So, so we we receive clarity and equipping and support in brothers and sisters. What do we give, though? And again, we all give this. It's not like you guys are going to give this. We're just going to kick it. We all give this. And oh, we give a couple things. We give prayer. Ephesians, um, I have another slide. Yeah, we give prayer, people, and provision. We give prayer in Ephesians chapter six, verses eighteen to twenty. The apostle Paul writes this: "says Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, prayer for, for everybody, and also for me." that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. The Apostle Paul's in prison and he's like, pray for me. You guys were at a different, you're not in my church, I'm in prison, you're somewhere else. I'm doing present ministry from the inside and I'm asking you to pray for me that I might boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. That he's calling on people in other churches and other places to pray for him. The apostle Paul needed an extended family to pray for him. So do I. So do you. Think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Would
2: you pray for me?
1: Um, you guys, uh, we we sent together. We've sent a missionary couple to northern Africa to Tunisia, and um, our friends and Kyle and Krista in this church, who's not here today, from what I understand, um, she's amazingly set up a monthly prayer meeting for that couple. And all of our churches have a monthly prayer meeting for that couple. Kai recently experienced getting ready for, to go on the, to, the, to go on the, to, to go to the fields. Um, she suffers deeply from migraines, and literally, when she did their residency with us, it was two days a week in bed. And one of her big concerns was on the field, it's going to really impact her ability to do missions work. And This was true for years. She's had these migraines. She's been healed of the migraines recently, completely. She said I had one headache. In about a year now, and it wasn't a migraine. And um, and it's, it's real. It really is real. And she said, it's not because we moved to Asia, and it's the climate or the food. We were healed when we were still in California. In two different climates, and then we moved. Um We don't have time for that story. We give people. We give people. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21 to 22, the apostle Paul writes this. So that you, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tycheus, the beloved brother, faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Tycheus, go to this church that I'm not at again. Good chance he's he's oh no, he's in prison. And I'm sending you this guy. He's going to tell you how I'm doing. And we see this right. We come out. and we go. Hey, here's how Uptown is doing and you guys come out, with, uh, there's a video of Brendan and Kimmy at our Family of Churches retreat in Southern California, and people started tearing up watching the video, and people started clapping, and people were like, oh my gosh, and there was this sense of hearing about Harbor City, it was an update about Harbor City. And so, um, anyways, we, get, we give people, Paul sent Tycheus. Now, I've experienced this firsthand that we, that we give people, it's my least favorite part of being a church planning church and doing family of church life. I want to just keep everyone together. Um, and we started the church with two primary leaders, Brad and Tom. Brad Sarian and Tom Lipp. Uh Tom wasn't an elder when he started. He was a worship leader with pastoral ability. We, didn't, we wanted to wait to ordain him. And Brad and me were the only elders day one. It was stored uptown. And we, and we sent both of them away to start new churches. And Tom was replaced by this gal named Raquel. And Brad was replaced by this guy named Herrick. And the funny thing about um, Herrick and Raquel is they both moved to Temecula to help Tom. So Herrick, who replaced uh, Brad, is no longer with me. And Raquel, who replaced Tom, is no longer with me. And since then, um, there's a guy named Kyle Schaefer, and he replaced Raquel. And then he kind of blew it and moved to Tunisia. And then um, this girl, Marielle, just took over as our worship leader. And so you see there's these generations of worship leaders. um, And it's because of sending. Um, Adam uh, was recently ordained as an elder. Adam Jones, right here. Maybe the only elder in America with a neck tap. And he's taken over in a huge way for, for Herrick. You know, Human rights have built in this gap. And so giving people is a hard thing. Giving people um, also looks different in a different contexts. I want to say that. Um, I think there's the short term, the medium term, and the long term. Okay. Um, giving someone short term. Short term like being with you like this for a few days. We're with you guys. Um, or when Grant Michelle or Brandon and Kimmy or Tabani or who, the people who have come out. Callum have come out. There's that short term trip to bless us, to build in, bring clarity. Um, there's the medium term. Like when we sent Nicole Pham and Paul Pham up to spend a year and a half with, with Brad and Sarah Sarian when they planned to restore Los Angeles. Probably wishes they were still there, uh, if you might guess. Um, and I'm glad they're back. Came, it was kind of like exile, and they, they came back, they're learning about in the Bible. Um, just kidding, just kidding, Brad. But, but 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 not forever, but a decent amount of time. And then there's the long term, like Kyle and Kaya moving to Northern Africa for the next few years. They're aggressively learning Arabic as we speak, and they're planning on being there for like a decade their dream right now but here's what i was thinking when we say restored starting a church in a new place we want everyone in our churches all of our churches to pray about going as much as they're able to go if we start uh, uh, hopefully another church someday here in south africa out of harbor city at some point the next few years i want our people in america praying about coming to south africa to help get it going i was thinking about this the other day um with remote working happening, a lot of people working from home, and a lot of businesses allowing you to work from home, um, that could be a real opportunity for the gospel. Because people can 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 go help get a church plant started, or do justice work or mercy work without quitting their job to move across an ocean. Isn't that crazy? So I think there's such an opportunity to partner with God to go, to send. And then, last but not least, we give provision. This is literally money. I want to spend the least amount of time on this because this is a classic thing, you know, asking for money or whatever. Um, I'm not. Um, but every year as a family of churches, uh, we do a collection together. And we see this in the Apostle Paul's ministry. In First Corinthians 16, um, he is taking an offering for the poorer church um, in Jerusalem. Um, and he says this. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia to do, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter, to make sure it's not shady, to carry your gift of money to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. And so every year we do this thing called Give Love, and we ask all the churches to do an offering locally and to give it all away outside of our churches, to start a new church or a new Gospel Initiative. I talked about how we raised 60000 for Josh Lewis this past year. Last year, you helped us raise over $140,000 for Kai and Kyle to go to Northern Africa, which is like four years' salary for them, which allows them to learn Arabic and not spend all their time fundraising. They're at level three of a, of a, a five-level immersion program. They're able to do that. They said, we've never been support. All the missionaries spend all their time fundraising. They said, we've been able to be generous with people on our team because they don't have any money, and we do not in a bragway because we've been blessed. We've, we've bought some people furniture. They're, they're being generous on the field. Um, the year before that, the family of churches raised one hundred and ten thousand dollars for restored Temecula. That got going with Tom Logue. The year before that, forty thousand for restored LA. The year before that, we raised twenty thousand for restored South Bay. Twenty thousand for giving trafficking victims. The ministry called Zoe International in Thailand. But together, our money goes a lot further. I think it's. Uh, I think there are many components of injustice tied to like discrepancies in world markets and the rand and the dollar and all that stuff. I actually get bummed when the rand. You know, like I really want the rand to, to thrive, uh, and I don't want uh, this economy to thrive in this nation for people to be blessed to be taken care of. But at the current time, I know that 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 the American Churches, when we do plant something here, we can really bless it and get it going, you know, really strong start somewhere in order. So we can all use the different strengths and abilities that we have. Um, a couple quick questions as we as we finish up. Um, is this just a Californian thing or an American thing? Restored. You might be wondering that. Um, oh, no, I'm not going to use that. Sorry. Um, it's not. I want to say this. We only have six spaces we work into. And as of today, two of the six are not in America. Okay? So 30, 30% or so, 30 to 40% of our ministry happens internationally. Okay? And we hope that it keeps changing and it will be over 50 um one day. Um, another question we, we get is, aren't Durban, Tunisia, and Southern California too far apart from one another to have a meaningful partnership? And I go, dude, this is so random, dude. Like, we're, you know, for the only church in South Africa, forward Southern California. I do think it matters who God gets your heart with, not how close you are. But for the practical people in the room, we see the Apostle Paul form deep partnerships in the gospel, even though he was quite far away from the people he ministered with and to. Um, though the totality of the Roman Empire was geographically smaller. Than the sphere of our family of churches, it took a considerable longer amount of time to travel across it. We can travel back and forth between Tunisia, Durban, and, uh, and Southern California in 30 hours or less. That might seem like a long time, but if you consider that it took 30 to 50 days to move around the Roman Empire from city to city, this is like very close. Our world's a lot smaller than it used to be. Also, letters needed to be hand-delivered along the routes when Paul couldn't visit a church in person which would take dozens of days on average. Now with email, to WhatsApp, Skype, we can, we can talk right away. So I don't think it's a hindrance. And the last thing I want to say is, does this only have to do with church leaders? And I want to say no. Paul didn't just know the leaders of the churches like Timothy and Titus. He knew the people that met in the house. He gives a shout out to so many people who don't have a title or they're not referenced as doing anything specific in the churches before the gospel. So we want all of you guys to to dive in with us. Uh, last scripture I want to read is Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, this is Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. No individual person can fulfill this mandate our King has given us. No individual church can fulfill this. Not even an individual family of churches. I want to see our family of churches multiply over the next 20, 30 years. But man, we need to do this together. And I'm asking, will you jump in with us? And so right now I'm going to hand over. I'm going to call a few people up to share what their experience has been both the Harbor City of Restored and Restored with Harbor City. So first I'm going to call up Mr. Brad Sarian, uh, lead pastor of Restored, Los Angeles.
2: Thank you. Hello. It's good to see you all. Um, we should have planned this because Matthew 28 was my verse too. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, just kind of chewing on this idea of being a part of a family of churches and, and what is beneficial and what is this. For us, uh, I was thinking a few months ago, I was in a pastor's prayer meeting. Uh, I meet with um, about 30 other pastors every Thursday morning in our valley of Los Angeles. Uh, we just pray for the city, for um, just kind of everybody uh, that, that we used to save. And one of the questions before we started praying, the pastor asked was, um, what keeps your faith, what keeps you on fire for what keeps you excited about jesus and his mission as you know, some of these pastors are been a pastor for 40 years um, i'm on the shorter end of that um but what what keeps you excited about jesus mission and everyone was going around answering and i was just sitting there thinking you know, the gospel is always my number one answer um and um, the good news that, that i'm a and i'm a mess and it still loves me it keeps me excited but but close second is being a part of an international story um I shared that with them, is that I I've just got back, I think, uh, from being with you guys in July, where my wife was able to join, and a few others from our church, and um, just, I think one of the most miserable, miserable places to be is when you actually believe the lie that the world revolves around you listening to me. right? We all do that daily, right? You wake up, and everything's like, me, 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 um, and it's a sad place to live, because the world doesn't revolve around anyone. Reminders being part of the international story is Jesus lifting my eyes constantly, whether it's even through a post on Instagram from your church, or being subscribed to the newsletter, the weekly newsletter from your church, the text or WhatsApp from Bronze or any of you guys that I get reminds me immediately, of my problems, whether it is trying to raise my children or a problem in the church or whatever it is, it is not the end of the world. There is a lot more going. Our eyes to see um, the nations to see His kingdom. We just got—we were in Dubai right before this. It was just such a beautiful reminder of nations. This is not an American story. This is not a South African story. This is a Jesus story, where He wants to bring His kingdom into this earth. Every single tribe, nation. And so, being a part of a family church is, is a beautiful reminder of that. And we are we're at the beginning of the story. So, um I think over the next coming decades, there will be many, many more nations that give be a part of it. So um, I'm aware not everyone can just get on a plane and go, uh, but it's in these trips where we're able to learn from one another. The the crew that we had from L.A. uh, at the family of church church camp uh, a few months ago here, because everyone talked about how much they had learned just being in a different culture, learning things that that you guys do really well, that we took back home and go, it's it's fantastic similar to what Andy was talking about, that blind spot. You don't see how you are doing church until you're a part of another church and seeing what God's doing. And so we've learned a ton about um, just even the way you guys have pursued social justice in the city, um, racial reconciliation in the city, things that have helped us go, okay, what are, what are we doing over here? Um, like, like when we were here a few months ago, you guys sang a song in Zulu. It was like, hey, no one in Los Angeles speaks Zulu, but half our people speak Spanish. Um, so what does it look like this singing songs in Spanish? To be a part of a community and learning things from you guys. Like to be a part of this story where we're learning from one another, we're, we're sharpening one another, we're having our eyes continually lifted. Um, it's friendship. I, it is so fun being back um just seeing faces and hugging and seeing babies born um, in Kansas. I, uh, just, just so, I mean, it was so funny. Even in July when we were here, We were leave, I didn't know we were coming back in November. Um So uh, as we hugged Michelle and Grant, we're like, oh, next time we see you, you'll have a baby with you. And then we're like, oh, we'll actually be back before then. So um, but <laughs> next time, you know, just, a, just this family piece of, of, of growing together, learning from one another and having our eyes continually lifted, going, I'm not the center of the world. My little church is not the center of the world. Jesus is the center of the world. He wants to continue drawing all people to himself. So that's one of the joys of
3: since we kind of planted this church about six years ago I think we've always had a dream to be part of something so much bigger than just Harbor City so much more than just ourselves and our space in Durban. and I think that we've kind of and Grant's gone out and just looked at different organizations and we've kind of got to the point where we said we want to be part of something bigger but we don't just want to be part of another organization where we're just another one where we're just kind of on somebody's list we want to be partnering uh, in the gospel and what Jesus called us to and part of God's mission with people who understand our cultures who have the same vision as us speak the same language as us. I think that we've found that in in our relationships and our friendships with these guys from the store. And over the many years that we've been partnering with them and just having conversations and being part of their churches and them coming here, we've seen that relationship develop and that language continue um, so beautifully. And I think what I love is that they're called the family of churches. You know, it's not just an, an event we attend, an organization we belong to, but actually we are family. We're brothers and sisters in Jesus. And today we are officially beginning that journey and kind of formalizing our relationship and saying we're definitely in to be parts of what you guys call the family of churches. And I think what I love more is that we're not just a number, we're not just a name on a list, but actually we know these people. We know these leaders of churches. We know the people who we've partnered with, who we've had in our homes. And you guys have heard them speak many times, but we know them. We've met their families, their kids. We've spoken on on our phones and, and had conversations. And they know our kids and and we are talking the other day, and Kimmy and I were talking about a, a friend of ours who's called Brad. And they're like, oh, yeah, we know Brad. He's been in our room. I'm like, no, 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 not that Brad. It's another Brad. And I think, like, our, our kids have, like, kind of come to us. They're like, going, okay, so when is Andy going? Like, I need my room back. Um, and, and we've just loved having you guys in our home. And I think what I love about that is actually we've begun to, like, intertwine our lives and begun to see who these guys really are. But the thing I love the most about them is just how central the gospel is to them in their lives and their churches. I think you guys have heard their vulnerability, you've seen their humility and just saying, actually, I need Jesus for myself. The thing I'm super excited about is that we're partnering with people who are not building their own kingdom, who are not trying to establish and grow their church to be the biggest and the best preacher. We're partnering with people who want to see the kingdom of God expand and churches planted as they are gospel-centered people, as people meet Jesus more. And those are the people that we're partnering with. And as these guys have come in over the last couple of years, month after month, different churches coming in to teach, to equip, to lead us, we recognize the gifts that God has put into each and every single one of them, into the family of churches, into the leaders of those churches. And in Isaiah 54, verse 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tents and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back, but rather lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes what I love is every single time they come in, we have this view that actually expands our view of what God is doing in the world. We recognize that actually there's churches in Southern California where people are meeting Jesus, where the gospel is coming into their lives, where they're being set free from guilt and shame, where actually people are meeting Jesus and lives are being changed. And they come and give us those accounts. They tell us those incredible stories. But more than that, what I love is actually that every single time that they come in, they, they might see a stake or something that's weak in our church, and they help us strengthen that as they grow us as we see our tent kind of widen and being stretched out. And I'm so excited to see, actually, as we formalize this partnership, that we're going to be part of different churches being planted, different relationships being formed, that actually Jesus would be preached in different churches around Durban and different churches in South Africa and Africa and around the world, that actually we as Harbor City can be part of that with the family of churches.
4: Good morning everyone. Such a cool morning so far. I've loved it and loved hearing everyone share. Um, as a couple of people have already mentioned, we've had the absolute honor and privilege of having various people from Restored stay in our home and it has always been just the biggest um, treat. And on one of the last occasions, Andy was staying with us and we were having Brent had gone out with some friends, and I was driving Andy around, taking him to do like some stuff he needed to get done. And I had the kids in the car with me, and they were just acting bonkers, and I was just letting it like slide completely. Like they were walking all over me, and it's kind of like what Andy was uh, speaking about earlier about clarity. He um, he basically just spoke the truth to me in, in an incredibly loving and gracious way but was just like, this is not okay like, you can't, like you know, this shouldn't be happening and one, I think that's really brave because if you have children, you kind of know like, I can know when my kids are acting badly, but hey don't you dare say a thing about them you know, Um, so I think that was really brave and courageous of him to do but I think the thing that kind of sparked him to do it was an incredible love for us and a love for me, and And what was also amazing is it wasn't just that he brought clarity to, like, a difficult situation or something in our home that perhaps wasn't, like, 100% right. And he also spent so much time with us in our lounge just encouraging us and speaking life into us. And just, I don't know if he actually knew this at the time, but we were actually feeling really discouraged at that moment. And it was just like he really just brought God's laugh to us through his encouraging words. And it really meant a lot to us. And I think in a way for me, those two moments with Andy, it's not about Andy, um, but it's just such like a taste for me of what the family of churches is actually all about. Um, We read about it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 to 16. It says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together, uh, every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work and I really believe like, that is what the family of churches is about that actually we're able to speak the truth and love to one another not just um, restore to us but harbor city to restored, and we're able to encourage one another building one another up in love and that's not just the leaders it's every member playing their part we've just been through a gifting series in our church and I think it's been incredible for us all to learn how God has called us, how God has gifted us. And I really believe that God is wanting to use those callings and giftings in this relationship between a family of churches. That actually we can build one another up and love and serve and love, and love one another well. So that we can see the gospel advancing. In Romans 15, Paul writes and he says, It has always been my ambition to see the gospel preached where Christ is at the end of the day, um, that is why we do what we do, because we love Jesus, we love people, and we want to see His gospel advancing to every area that does not know Him. And I really believe that as we create these relationships where we can speak the truth to one another in love and build one another up in love, we really are going to become strengthened individually as churches and as a family just to see the gospel advancing in an incredible
0: Asked the band to come up. Um, what I think would be terrible is if we left him. That was great. Okay, cool. Bigger picture stuff. Really like that. Uh, we're in. That's cool. And we just carry on with life. Because I think if this is just a on the website, on paper kind of thing, it really doesn't mean anything. You know, like oh, cool. Our church is part of something more, and we want to find churches and do all of that. I'm hoping. From each of us today there would almost be a heart response saying we're in and we're excited about this you know we're excited about playing a part. and what i'd almost love us to end with today is just a moment before god where we say what does the gospel demand of me and what does it look like for me to buy into this in terms of my time my prayers my money my energy my gifting How is it possible, God, that you would use me for a bigger picture story, to be like one of those names that was mentioned in Romans 16 or one of the other passages mentioned today? So can we maybe just close our eyes for a second and answer those questions? What does the gospel demand of me, even this week? And what does it look like for me to buy into this, not on paper, but with my heart?